Um, it is, it is again, great to be with you today, and I love these opportunities where I can share a little bit about what I'm working on in the United States Senate. And as a senator from Iowa, there are a few priorities that I'd like to talk about today, and they are ones that are not necessarily mutually exclusive either. First, national defense, one of my favorite topics, and the second one, energy resilience. Um, so a lot of folks don't think of them as going hand in hand, but certainly in my world they do. Uh, I do spend a great deal of time on these issues and to me they are very important and they are much of what make our country a real global leader. And they are issues, of course, very, very important to Iowans as well. So I do continue to believe that a strong national defense depends upon many things, and that includes a robust economy and a diverse fuel mix. Um, we were just having a little conversation at our table as well. We have many different views, but bottom line, as long as we have consumer choice, uh, we do think that's a good thing. And it is our job as elected officials to support, of course, those who protect us. And we were just speaking about that a little bit ago. And without a strong national defense, we simply do not have a nation. As a member of the Armed Services Committee and the chair of the Emerging Threats and Capabilities Subcommittee, I have oversight over, over of course, our emerging threats, um, many of our adversaries that are out there, um, but also those uh, that are responsible for addressing those threats that our adversaries pose, like our Special Operations Forces. Earlier this week, the Senate passed the National Defense Authorization Act, um, we call it fondly the NDAA, and that is for the approaching fiscal year. This year's bipartisan legislation will ensure that our war fighters are prepared to operate across full spectrum of conflict and support the objectives that have been laid out in the President's 2018 National Defense Strategy which is the first new national defense strategy that we have seen in a decade. I worked hard with my ranking member, Senator Martin Heinrich of New Mexico, to ensure this year's NDAA invests additional funding in innovative technologies so that we can maintain U.S. technological superiority over near-peer adversaries like China, Russia, Iran, uh, particularly in the areas of hypersonics, unmanned systems, directed energy, and was stated earlier, artificial intelligence. Nations like Russia and China are investing heavily in these areas, and the United States must be relentless in its goal of maintaining our technological capabilities gap, and in some cases, actually regaining it. Additionally, the NDAA provides much-needed funding to our special operations forces, who play a key role in combating terrorist networks and countering growing aggression by advers adversaries like Russia, China, and Iran. Between the NDAA and the upcoming appropriations bills, we are beginning the longer process of rebuilding our military following the devastating policies and sequestration of the Obama administration and providing the flexibility needed for our military to make targeted investments for the future. The threats against the United States will only increase, but I know under the current leadership at the Department of Defense, of course, everybody knows uh, General Jim Mattis, um, that 
many of the press refer to as Mad Dog. He does not refer to himself in that term. Uh, but, uh, of course, the Marines will refer to him not as the Secretary of Defense, but the Secretary of Offense. Um, and uh, so General Mattis, combined with President Trump's strong support for our military and our veterans, that we as a nation can face these threats head on and successfully deter and defeat any adversary's aggressive actions. Now, as I said earlier, though, a strong nation is more than just a strong military. It, is, it also includes that energy resilience. Harnessing an all-of-the-above energy strategy is critical to driving our nation forward in many ways, and renewable fuels are a real American success story, creating jobs and boosting our economy. Congress created the Renewable Fuel Standard, commonly referred to as the RFS, to expand the nation's renewable fuel sector and reduce our reliance on imported oil. The RFS is overseen by the Environmental Protection Agency, which we could talk about all day, and is a law that is vital to the people of Iowa and to rural America. Rural America is the backbone of our country, and the RFS is an invaluable economic engine creating good-paying jobs, raising incomes, increasing tax revenues, and offering new investment opportunities. My home state of Iowa leads the nation in renewable fuels production with 43 ethanol refineries capable of producing 4 billion gallons annually and 12 biodiesel facilities producing over 350 million gallons annually. In 2017, the renewable fuels industry created 2.4 billion dollars in household income and supported nearly 50,000 jobs in my home state of Iowa. Such jobs and investment are critical in rural areas. It's what we need to find long-term and sustainable success for struggling communities. The success we see in Iowa represents only a fraction of the economic impact seen across the 28 states with an ethanol facility. Last year, our nation's ethanol industry supported more than 350,000 American jobs and increased U.S. household income by $24 billion. Just one example, in Atlantic, Iowa, a new ethanol plant is ramping up production. And Atlantic is just a little bit further north of where I live, um, next county up. Once the plant reaches full capacity, the $196 million project will support 49 full-time jobs and not only be a boon for Cass County, but also corn farmers in surrounding counties like my home county of Montgomery County. There are countless examples like this all across the Midwest. This investment in rural development is a direct result of the success and the certainty provided by the RFS. The economic effects are increasingly widespread, and this all underscores the importance of a strong RFS today and well into the future. Now, over the past several months, I have stressed to President Trump and our Senate colleagues during multiple White House meetings that uh, many across the Midwest, they already know this, that a strong and robust RFS encourages consumer choice, investment, and innovation, and it protects a diverse fuel mix which helps keep our nation more secure. Small town livelihoods like Charlie Goods, owner of Good and Quick in Nevada, Iowa, 
uh, taken from Charlie, someone who has spent 20 years since he uh, installed blender pumps and transitioned to flex fuels, uh, which are E15 and higher blends. E15 is a term for higher octane fuel that is currently available in 28 states at retail fueling stations. It's 15% ethanol and 85% gasoline and is approved for the use in more than 80% of our cars, trucks, and SUVs on the road today. Retailers offer E15 for many reasons, but it often has a lower cost than regular unleaded fuel. Charlie's decision to transition to E15 is a prime example of how the RFS is restoring security and opportunity in rural America and furthers the need for higher blends of ethanol to have access to market share. Unfortunately, some of my colleagues have pushed for changes to the RFS and some members of the administration are taking steps to radically undercut the RFS. These attempts should not distract anyone from the facts and President Trump's commitment to American farmers to uphold the 15 billion gallon volume obligation for ethanol. Earlier this month, farmers breathed a sigh of relief and applauded when the president rejected the idea of overhauling and fundamentally changing the current biofuels policy in a way that is less accountable to the American people. We are a nation of laws and the federal government must uphold them in an accountable way. Moving forward, I will continue working tirelessly alongside our corn state colleagues to protect and defend the RFS, which is working for corn farmers, ethanol producers, retailers, and our rural communities. Mm -hmm. Difficult times have fallen on rural America, especially on our farmers, and any attempt to undermine the RFS will only make matters worse. But our agricultural community and renewable fuels industry know that I stand ready to defend, protect, and grow a strong, robust RFS that encourages consumer choice, investment, and innovation. And again, thanks for having me here today. I would love to take as many questions as possible. So thank you all very much. I appreciate it.